Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast with your girl Stephanie Hardy. Thank you so much for riding with me all this time. Now we're in this new episode and there's a whole lot going on in the wrestling atmosphere. So sit back, relax, and listen as I talk about it with our regular news and gossip-ish. A story time, but basically not really a story time, but just me speaking and giving my opinions on the hashtag Naomi Deserves Better campaign that took place over Twitter this past week. And of course, I'm going to talk about your weekly programming with WWE and a little bit of AEW thrown in there and a little bit of Impact thrown in there too. So sit back, relax, and listen to the Hardy Wrestling Podcast with me, your girl, Stephanie Hardy. Okay, so in news and gossipish, we're going to start by talking about something that I thought was kind of blurring the lines between real and fake. You had Adam Cole get into a verbal argument or kerfuffle with Pat McAfee. If if you may or may not know, Pat McAfee um, was basically kind of like a partner with WWE in the sense that sometimes he'll do pre-shows for NXT takeovers at times. But since the pandemic has started, they haven't really been doing that many of those um, going forward. So it's just lately he's been sort of he has his own show um, called the Pat McAfee show, more of like a podcast kind of sports um interview type of deal and he had adam cole on as you know we haven't really seen much of adam cole since he lost his nxt title to keith lee who is also who was also rather the nxt north american champion but we'll get into that later and basically from what i heard from the entire interview it seemed as if pat mcafee just kept digging at him with all kinds of insults and everything talking about how he wasn't that good of a wrestler and how he wasn't that great of a champion even though he was he was basically the longest reigning nxc champion of all time and he kept bringing up the fact that adam cole would always use the undisputed era members um that's kyle o'reilly bobby fish and roderick um strong to cheat or whatever but Adam Cole got to a point where it just came to a to like a boiling point near the end of the interview and he just went absolutely off and called and basically said F you you know you know you don't know what you're talking about like I'm that good of a wrestler and all this other stuff like it just felt like Pat McAfee is really like an antagonizer in this interview throughout and Adam Cole had just had enough of it and so he had gotten in his face and yelled at him and then said F you and then basically just knock some knock some people over push some people out of the way and walked out but what's so funny is pat mcafee was like what did i do how did it get this bad and everybody's like i don't know you weren't you weren't that bad but these are people who are basically working for pat mcafee you know behind the scenes telling him that he wasn't that bad but in actuality he was because he had been antagonizing adam cole the entire interview so hey who knows maybe it's real maybe it's not we'll see um (laughs) but it was crazy also this past week we had multiple debuts from former wwe superstars on impact wrestling's pay-per-view called slammiversary and then we also had a debut on game changer wrestling just yesterday um yesterday we had leo rush basically debuted on game changers wrestling which seemed like it was more of an independent promotion but he was beating up on i believe joey 
Janela. Um, he beat up on him and he was dressed up in like this dark suit with a black mask. And then when he revealed it to be him by taking the mask off, everybody was basically freaking out. So now Leo Rush basically hasn't re completely retired from wrestling like he said he was. Um, so he is wrestling just on the independent circuit now since he was, you know, let go due to the pandemic and its mass firings that WWE did. And he also has a... I don't want to he has an album out top called the final match um because he's also a rapper as well so if you have a mind to check that out please do and also on Slammiversary which is a very important pay-per-view um with the Impact Wrestling brand they had so many former WWE superstars um appear on their show one of them was Heath Slater who had just made an impromptu um not really i, I don't want to say an impromptu but he made an appearance on wwe in an angle with drew mcintyre who used to be his partner um with the three with three-man band with um gender mahal and gender mahal is out and what's so funny is everybody thought there was going to be some cool pr fulfilling prophecy where all of the members of 3mb would you know basically rehab themselves get buff come back and then win a title but sadly heath wasn't a part of that you know aspect because he also got let go um with the mass firings a couple of months ago but after he made his final appearance on wwe television wearing his free agent t-shirt he made his debut on slammiversary and now he's just known as heath but I think it's great to see him because it feels like during this pandemic after he got fired he was working out and he was making himself better and sharpening his skills as a wrestler and stuff like that and there was even a promo that they were showing that he had on instagram where it basically showed him getting beat constantly over and over again because in wwe he was mo mainly known as a jobber and he was just always getting beat by people um who was either bigger than him or bigger stars than him or even by um og legends like lita like around the time of 2012 when he got beat up by lita and a whole lot of different ogs like vader and hacksaw jim duggan and people like that so now it's good to see that he's sort of you know wanting to be taken seriously as a competitor as opposed to just being you know a laughing stock and that's gonna be good and we also had eric young who used to be with impact but then he went to WWE and he was a part of this group called Sanity, along with Nikki Cross, um, Killian Dane, and Alexander Wolf. But that group wound up getting disbanded as soon as they were brought up to the main roster. And literally, the only people who are left from there is Alexander Wolf because he is now a part of Imperium, and Nikki Cross, who is a part of the tag team with Alexa Bliss, even though she just had a match to qualify for another SmackDown Women's title opportunity with Alexa Bliss. And you have Killian Dane, who's still at NXT. So now you have Eric Young, who's returned to Impact now. And I guess now in this aspect, he's just going to pursue his own um, solo career. Then you had a debut of The Good Brothers, who is um, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson, who used to hang out with um, AJ Styles. And they were known as The Club or The Original Club, The OC. 
And it's great to see them there too because they were able they were let go and the last time anybody saw them on WWE television, it was the angle with AJ Styles versus The Undertaker with that boneyard match. And it was kind of sad to sort of see them go after that boneyard match because everybody was talking like the boneyard match, you know, was like one of the best parts about WrestleMania and they were a part of it because they brought the druids out to sort of help AJ Styles, even though I don't understand how they did that. But it was sad to sort of see them go after that and, and not really see them enjoy the fruit of that labor. But I guess now they'll probably do better at Impact, which is basically, you know, good for them. And also, we had the debut of EC3 at Slammiversary. Now, he was a top star at Impact Wrestling. In fact, I believe he went as far as to winning a couple of championships with them, even probably their main championship. And then he wound up going to NXT and he didn't really have a run as a champion there in NXT, but he was able to still sort of make a name for himself in the sense, you know, that everybody was excited for him and excited for his future. Then he got brought up to the main roster and he wrestled maybe a few matches and what the rumor is is that he made like a couple of mistakes in one match I believe against the former Dean Ambrose who's now John Moxley at AEW but he was never put on in terms of a match like he was never put in any like meaningful angles on the show like it was a point where people were joking about him sitting in the back you know, just drinking juice and just eating, you know, from catering and not doing anything. And it was really sad that someone of his potential was just sort of left behind and not doing anything. So I guess now, now that he's back at his home and Impact Wrestling, he can probably do a whole lot more than um, people gave him, than he was able to do in WWE. And I'm really happy for that. And also we had Deanna Perrazzo, who used to be at NXT, who I believe made her debut in a Mae Young Classic. She went on to win a knockout, the Knockouts Championship. So congrats to her. And it was just really cool to see all of these people, you know, sort of make the, make a name for themselves, you know, after they've either been let go or they just left for their own volition. So good luck to all of them. Also in news and gossip, we have um, the return of Sammy Guevara um, to AEW. He returned this past Wednesday, you know, to a lot of, I guess, people's happiness, as you could say, because he was indeed suspended for a, for a period of time. And even though they said it was due to rehab reasons or whatever, we all kind of know now that due to the speaking out, um, a little bit due to the speaking out trend on Twitter, he was exposed as having made really gross comments about Sasha Banks, who, you know, is the GOAT of women wrestlers. And because he came out and said, you know, those nasty things on a podcast and it was revealed that he did that, um, they removed him from television for like a while and now he's back. And then since then, him and Sasha Banks did indeed have a conversation that uh, about what he said. And if you want to see what he said, you can Google it because I'm not repeating it here. Um, <laughs> but basically they had a discussion and he apologized and realized, you know, the error of his ways and hopefully he'll never say anything like that about a woman again. So he's back on television and that's good. So yeah, let's just hope he's learned from his mistakes. And also in news and gossipish, there was a video trending around on Twitter of Taz, who used to be a wrestler and a commentator for WWE, along with Jim Ross, the OG of 
commentators and Excalibur, a wrestler who also serves as a commentator on AEW, all three of them, they were throwing mad shade at NXT, basically talking about how no one would ever want to watch NXT because AEW is the better choice and there is no other choice, you know, involved with that. And it just sounded like they were coming off very angrily about it. And I think what saddens me about AEW as a whole is just the fact that instead of really focusing on their product and polishing the things that can help them be better as a promotion that's still very new all they ever do is sort of focus on what WWE is doing and trying to you know take shots at them over and over again from the jump like literally from their first pay-per-view Cody um who I love as a competitor and I definitely respect his lineage in terms of Dusty Rose and Goldust in their first pay-per-view he literally had a throne made like Triple H's thrones that he uses um for certain Wrestlemanias and took a sledgehammer to it and broke it and it just seems like for everything that WWE, you know, does, it just seems like AEW always has something to say about it. Like they always have shades to throw at them on their show. And my thing is, I feel like where a lot of other promotion, where some promotions sort of go wrong with, it's just the fact that they like to talk about how much better they are. And I understand there's a level of competition that can be expected because of course, you know, your show is on opposite NXT. But at the same point in rate, how are you going to ever focus on getting your ratings up or, you know, trying to be different than the larger promotion if all you're doing is focusing on what they're doing? And what's so funny is WWE isn't focused on anything that AEW is doing. They have yet to they've only mentioned AEW one time since AEW has started. And that was when Sami Zayn mentioned him on an episode of Raw. And that was last year one time and they have yet to mention them not at all like WWE is the is one of the perfect examples of how you need to just focus on your lane and to just not worry about competing with others and even though I know it's hard in this social media age because it's, it's something that even I struggle with you have to sort of get tunnel vision on what your mission is and sort of focus on you and what you're doing and if AEW is just going to continue to try to throw barbs at them and even do merchandise for Chris Jericho to throw shade at WWE in terms of the demo and and in terms of ratings and all that then they might not survive if that's all they're going to focus on if all they're doing is focusing on hate and just obtaining you know obtaining superstars and then talking about and have them talk about how you know they weren't happy there and all this other stuff then they're not going to last and that's just my two cents on that like I feel like AEW has so much potential to be better than what it is, but they can't focus on what that potential is and what makes them special if all they're doing is throwing shade at WWE. And that's just how I feel about it. Now, now that we're finished with that news and gossipers segment, we're going to talk about how Naomi trended on Twitter this week, um, different reactions to it, um, what Booker T said about it, and basically how I feel about it. So stay tuned. Okay, so in this segment where I normally tell stories or have interviews, I'm just going to talk about how I felt about the hashtag Naomi Deserves Better campaign. 
so three weeks ago Naomi showed up on television for like the first time in like forever and they had a karaoke showdown and it was between it was hosted by Jay Uso and it was between Lacey Evans, Dana Brooke, Naomi and Tamina. Now, I love karaoke as much as the next person because I love to sing as well and it was pretty enjoyable and cute in the sense that they had a lot of, you know, dancing and a lot of, you know, crazy stuff going on with them singing WWE theme songs, which I also enjoy as well. Um and of course, Naomi got on there dressed in beautiful neon clothes with her natural hair and did the Dusty Rhodes theme song. And Lacey Evans got mad at her and basically like beat her up, you know, because she got mad that Naomi won. Even though, mind you, Jey Uso probably was being a little bit biased because that's his sister-in-law. Um, <laughs> and then... But then before that, even before the karaoke showdown, I think Naomi was trying to, you know, have fun with Lacey Evans and Lacey just took it way too seriously. So then the next week, Lacey and Naomi had a match. And within that match, Naomi was doing everything great that she does and Lacey was doing everything good that she does. But somehow or another, Lacey, of course, being the heel was using dastardly tactics to cheat and she basically used Naomi's hair to like she tied Naomi's hair into kind of like a knot on the ring um ropes and then once Naomi got it untied Lacey hit her with the woman's right and then she lost that match and I think it was a groundswell of people on Twitter after that match happened that started tweeting hashtag Naomi deserves better and it trended for like the entire this entire week even through extreme rules even through raw and smackdown and all of the above and even leading up to this Friday and it led to people talking about whether or not she deserves better you know whether or not she should have more opportunities for titles or whatever and leading and also leading to a discussion as to how black wrestlers women and men alike are treated in their prospective promotions and it led to good conversations but it also led to a lot of people being ignorant and saying you know of course you know very ignorant things about how they feel like race doesn't have an issue in it or or and you had people who felt like maybe it just isn't her time yet and then you also had people like you had legends like booker t who weighed in on the situation and basically said that you remember moments from naomi and he wasn't being mean to her at all but he said you remember moments that she's had you know that made people talk about her or whatever but as far as her ring psychology goes she's not necessarily the best in that because um there are so many few matches that you can think of where she has actually you know done her best in terms of storytelling in the ring and this week I actually had a discussion with Mr. Black from the Jobber's Tears podcast I definitely you know hope that you guys check that out because that's a really great podcast um and I had an interview with him and he was telling me that he felt like that there are only so few matches that you can really think of off the top of your head where Naomi really showed improved 
you know, and, and driving a story within the ring as opposed to someone like Sasha Banks where you can remember a whole lot of moments and a whole lot of matches from her because of her in-ring talent and her charisma and her um, athleticism too. And to a certain degree, they are correct. But what I will say this, I will say this though, when it comes to Naomi, I think of someone who was put down a lot of the time in terms of where she's not even just from where she started but I remember around 2014 2015 where she had so many opportunities to be able to be given the Divas Championship at the time but wasn't because they were always overlooking her a little bit for Paige and for AJ or for the Bellas and it left almost no room for someone like her even in her heel persona or even in her face persona to even shine and really be able to show herself and that's not to victimize her but that's just the truth she really didn't have that many opportunities and even after the Divas title was retired it took them retiring the Divas title creating the raw women's title as we know it today and then creating the smackdown women's title and then having two other people win the win that smackdown women's title before her to even get another opportunity i think that is the issue is the fact that when it comes to black wrestlers and i feel this way about her and i also felt this way about kofi before he got his time to shine it takes way longer for incredibly talented black wrestlers to get opportunities and it's not fair because you can see that athletically and sometimes in terms of their personality they have so much to offer and probably can offer the same amount if not more than probably your average you know wrestler's or average white wrestlers that they put out there on the regular but yet somehow or another they're always overlooked sometimes like now of course now you can't really say they're completely overlooked because you have Sasha who is a women's tag team title even though she has the raw women's title hostage right now um and then you have people women of color like Asuka who was the raw women's champion and then you have the street profits who are raw tag team champions right now and you have Shelton Benjamin, who's now 24-7 champion, but we haven't really seen him on television all that much. And then you have um, MVP and MVP and Bobby Lashley in a prominent storyline right about now involving the United States Championship with Apollo Crews. And it's getting better, but it's just the idea that I feel like that's where a lot of frustrations are coming from is the fact that it takes black wrestlers a whole lot longer to get their just due than it does someone like say for instance an Alexa Bliss who has been champion about a good six times across Raw and Smackdown and she's won the women's tag titles twice along with with um, Nikki Cross and it just doesn't necessarily seem fair you know there's marketability placed behind more of your white wrestlers than it is for your black wrestlers and that's not necessarily fair and I think that's where a lot of the frustration was coming from with that hashtag and I as a black woman completely understand that and honestly 
I know that Booker T didn't mean any harm in what he was saying because he supports black wrestlers because he supported his wife, of course, when she was a wrestler, Charmel. And he gave credit to Charmel by saying that the King Booker gimmick would not have even worked half as good as it did without Charmel. And he also, you know, in his own wrestling school, he's able to foster some of the best black talent that we've seen. So we can't really say that he doesn't support black wrestlers as a whole. And maybe he's just, you know, behind the times or whatever. But because there are some there are some instances where he's helped create the stars of the future. Um, but also on Smackdown this past Friday, Naomi was on the Miz TV segment with um, the Miz and John Morrison. And they were sort of insulting to a certain degree the tweet that happened and Corey Graves was even talking about the tweet as if it was like a he likened it to a participation trophy and I'm just like and they just kept asking questions like how come Lacey can't get you know a hashtag saying she deserves better because she actually won like why are we tweeting behind losers and the thing is we don't we as fans and I and I myself personally as a fan don't ever see Naomi as a loser um, a loser doesn't come back at the Royal Rumble and sets Twitter on fire with wrestling fans who watch the product, the current product, and with former wrestling fans who had never watched wrestling or for fans who used to watch wrestling but then quit and then now they're back into it because she's on there like you can't take that credit away from her she was a part of the reason why black women like Sasha Banks and like Bianca Belair were featured in an Essence magazine feature because of her natural hair and because she came back the way she did at the Royal Rumble and yes she was able to get an opportunity to fight Bailey for the Smackdown women's title you know and in that first champion women's championship match in Saudi Arabia earlier this year but at the same time you know, it stopped start because after that point, you barely saw her on television. And once the pandemic started, it's like she was barely on television. When she was on television, it was like a breath of fresh air. And then she would disappear again. It was just awkward. And then when she was on television, she was losing. Now, granted, some of it was storyline based in the sense that she lost to Dana Brooke because Dana Brooke needed to be to be beefed up to go into Money in the Bank. But it's frustrating to see someone like her, you know, not get her just due and not get a credible storyline that's actually worthy of someone of her talent. Now, I'm pretty sure there's always room for improvement, but let's be real. Naomi is one of the best that they have. Athletically, she has it. Charisma, she has it. Like, what's the problem? And I appreciate it that Naomi was basically able to speak up for herself in that segment and basically say that her fans will always be behind her and it's not bad that they always want better for her that's never a bad thing and I think what irritated me about that segment was the fact that you had Miz and Morrison saying oh I'm sorry like I didn't know it was that bad and maybe and I think that's what irritated me because they really sounded like dudes who basically like to second guess a black woman whenever there's something wrong and we say something is wrong but they'd be like but is it really that bad though yes it is but anyway (laughs) and then Lacey Evans came out and then um Naomi basically you know beat her up in high heels at that so we're gonna get a match with them next week and here's hoping that in the future Naomi can have you know 
a good storyline where she can really show what her prowess is and show what her talents are. And here's hoping that they just don't sweep her up under the rug, you know, for someone who they just just think would just speak to a certain demographic of people like like don't just sweep her up under the rug simply because she's not Sasha Banks or simply because she's not you know your typical blonde girl we want different give us different you know give us opportunity if Smackdown is a land of opportunity give give Naomi her due hashtag Naomi deserves better hashtag black women deserve better in wrestling hashtag this is my show i can say that and that's the end of this segment okay so now we're gonna talk about the weekly shows and we're gonna start with raw there was only so much of raw i saw because my power went out (laughs) (laughs) There was a storm and but what I'm going to do is talk about what I did see take place and how I feel about it going forward, because this was the first Raw after Extreme Rules, the horror show, which was in essence, not one of WWE's best pay-per-views, but we're going to push through on push on through anyway. So in terms of the women you had a match with Ruby Riot and Peyton Royce. They have their little ongoing feud because, you know, Ruby is trying to sort of fight to get back and live Morgan's good graces. But in the meantime of Liv being gone, Ruby has an ally in Bianca Belair. So Bianca Belair, you know, came on backstage and talked about how she was ready, you know, to rise um, in the women's division. But then Peyton Royce interrupted her and then Ruby Riot got involved and basically said that she wanted to fight Peyton and basically Riot connected with the Riot kick in order to win the match and Peyton Royce lost now I don't know how far it's gonna go but I am happy that Ruby Riot did get you know her first singles win on television in such a long time since she's been injured um I'm happy for her in that aspect, but I want her to sort of do something more to show more meat and potatoes. And I definitely want to see Bianca Belair do something more um, in terms of a feud as well. So we'll see how that goes. And also with the women's division, you had um, Bailey versus Kyrie Sane, but then Stephanie, but before that, Stephanie McMahon interrupted the um, golden role models, Bailey and Sasha Banks, as they were bragging about how they retained how Bailey retained her SmackDown Women's title and how Sasha unofficially won the Raw Women's title because there was a lot of shenanigans at Extreme Rules because Asuka and Sasha Banks had their Raw Women's title match. And before the shenanigans happened, this match was like five stars. Like, I loved every inch of it. They showed why they are two of the best women's competitors in all of wrestling as a whole. But the finish was just so crazy that it just sort of put a damper on the match and a damper on the night, in my opinion, because they were all trying to cheat and Asuka sprayed her green mist in the face of the referee. And then like Bailey had somehow knocked out Asuka and then Sasha covered her, but then Bailey had put on the referee shirt and she counted. 
So unofficially, Sasha was a champion, but not really. So Sasha, so Stephanie McMahon appeared on the Titantron on Raw and basically said that Asuka and Sasha were not the champions, but basically that on Raw um, tomorrow night, they're going to have a title rematch. So there was a, but then the match that followed was Kyrie Sane versus Bailey, And it was so good, but I believe where we have fear in is the fact that Shayna Baszler was watching from backstage and when somebody asked her she said that she was interested in the contest because she deserved a match on Raw but had not yet gotten one and she was watching the match like a shark hunting prey so I guess Shayna is going to probably go after Oscar or whoever is whoever has ownership of the Raw women's title after tomorrow night and Kyrie said actually wound up beating Bailey but what's so weird is is on social media everybody was sharing all kinds of pictures you know saying thank you to Kyrie saying and talking about how sweet she is and how great of a person she is as if she's actually leaving after a certain period of time but it's kind of hard to explain because there are lots of rumors going around that this may be her last few matches um going forward and then she might be leaving you know to go back to Japan with to be with her husband and all the other stuff but I guess we'll just have to wait and see in that aspect. So that's pretty much all that happened with the women. Now, in terms of the men, um, Seth Rollins and Aleister Black fought. And Seth was, of course, bragging about everything he had done to Rey Mysterio the night before in their eye for an eye match in which Rey Mysterio lost and then had his eye supposedly pulled out. But we know that's not the truth. Um, <laughs> so just ignore that part it, it was it was a lot um but Murphy got involved in the match and Seth wound up winning using the curb stomp so Seth Rollins is still curb stomping people like Kirk Franklin out here and now Rollins is just going to be the evil heel that rules over all blah 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 whatever anyway <laughs> um then you had Bobby Lashley, MVP, and Shelton Benjamin participate in a six-man tag with Cedric Alexander, Ricochet, and a returning Mustafa Ali, the Jesse Williams of the WWE. I was so happy to see him and to see that he had actually came back, you know, in stellar shape, ready to go, conditioned well. And he was able, you know, to sort of do a lot of his high-flying stuff because I think one of the best parts about watching him ricochet and Cedric Alexander fight is the fact that along with you with MVP Shelton Benjamin and Bobby Lashley and their um power moves you had the you had cruiserweight power with the other three and it was so good to see it and Ali won and then he also went on Raw Talk to talk about you know all the things that he had been doing while he was gone to sort of fight for criminal justice reform in terms of the Black Lives Matter movement because he used to be a cop he was a cop in Chicago for four years before he transitioned to being a wrestler and he you know articulated all of the all of the issues that he had with law enforcement in the sense that it was always sort of created in a sense to um hurt people of color and I was just really glad that he was able to use his platform to say something. And I'm happy he has returned to give his cruiserweight power to everyone. 
And then you also had the Street Profits, the Raw Tag Team Champions against Andrade and Angel Garza, who have been trying to sort of, you know, beef themselves up to be able to, you know, fight them for the titles. So this was a non-title match. And Montez and Angelo Dawkins basically returned to television because Angelo, you know, had just had his first son. So congratulations to him and his wife on their new baby. And they came out, you know, all guns blazing. And Dawkins got the hot tag and then changed the match and just kept fighting and just kept, you know, throwing people everywhere. And then Ford got back into the fight and hit a rotating frog splash on Angel Garza. But once Angel Garza had lost the match, Zelina Vega, you know, my girl, decided to lose her mind and basically yell at Andrade and Angel for not being on the same page. And if they're going to be, you know, on the if they're going to hope to go for the Raw tag team titles, they're going to have to be on the same page. If not, I really feel like either Andrade is going to leave Angel behind, Angel is going to leave Andrade behind. And Zelina is either going to have to choose between one of them or she's just going to choose herself, which is what I would love for ha- love to happen. I want Zelina to choose herself and be her own superstar. But, you know, I don't know if that's going to happen. So then you had a segment between Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler because Dolph Ziggler wanted a rematch he kept begging for a rematch because he's saying i was this close to beating you i almost had you but literally at extreme rules Dolph ziggler like was in charge of making the stipulation for the match but yet still lost so how you gonna have the match in your favor and then still lose so um hello but anyway (laughs) um he just kept begging drew for another chance but then drew basically gave him a Glasgow kiss after he was talking all that crap but then Dolph grabbed the microphone and called him an SOB and said look like you are going to give me another shot at the title but then McIntyre agreed and then said that he was going to set the stipulation and he and that Dolph wouldn't know what the stipulation was going to be until the bell rang so I don't have any doubts that Drew McIntyre will totally you know show and prove why he's the best person to be WWE championship at this point and why Dolph Ziggler really just needs to sit his delusional butt down because he always loves to make it seem like he's entitled to a title shot because you know once upon a time he was the world heavyweight champion but that was like 2000 I don't even know what what year that was I was like maybe 2013 and I just need for him to sit down and just live his life and just sit down but (laughs) yeah and then um randy orton and the big show had their unsanctioned match and randy orton won from what i heard because like i said i didn't see this part and i'm ready for randy orton to do something else and there are rumors all around twitter saying that his next person is going to be drew but I don't necessarily want to see Randy Orton with another title because he's had he's another one of those people who's had the title multiple times. And it's just a part of me sort of questions where what's the point of Randy Orton at this point? Because it's just I don't know him versus Edge just sort of irritated me a little bit because at first it was really good. But then once they started saying they were going to fight again, it just got a little bit irritating. And I'm just like, guys, can y'all just wait and just 
let Edge fight somebody else who he's never fought before, like a new opponent, like maybe Kevin Owens or maybe Andrade or just, you know, just I just want Edge to fight somebody else that's completely different. But now Orton and the Big Show had this thing going on and now Orton's finished with that. So I guess now Orton's going to probably go after Edge again or maybe just or maybe go after Drew. I don't know. We'll see. But Seeing the Big Show didn't necessarily excite me either because I don't understand the point of him either because there was a point where he was sort of retired or semi-retired and then he just popped back up out of nowhere, I think, to probably beef up his Netflix show. And then it's just, yeah, okay. Now that he's been beat by Randy Orton, maybe we won't see him for a while. I hate to sound like that, but that's just how I feel. (laughs) And... So that's all what happened on Raw. Now we're going to go to NXT. All right. So now we're going to go to NXT. NXT. Okay. So with the women, we had Shotzi Blackheart versus Aaliyah with Robert Stone. Shotzi basically beat up Aaliyah in short order. <laughs> like she beat her up in short order and um Blackheart hit her with a tiger suplex and then she kicked Robert Stone off the rope while she while he was trying to distract and then she hit a diving senton bomb on Aaliyah for the win. So after the match, Shotzi Blackheart used her cute little tank to run over Robert Stone's other foot, but then Mercedes Martinez kicked her off the tank and backstage martinez basically said that she was going to join the robert stone brand which was completely unexpected to me as long as as long as it was understood that she just wanted him to get her big matches and over and to look over the necessary paperwork so basically to do all the stuff that she doesn't want to do so basically we got Aaliyah and we have mercedes martinez on the robert stone brand and i think it's interesting because when you look at wrestlers like Rhea Ripley and like Mercedes Martinez who are very rough and tumble type wrestlers you know very you know rugged you would never think of them being on a a Robert Stone brand type of deal but I think maybe it's probably the thing that might give Robert the Robert Stone brand more of a credibility thing so maybe that could work now the feud that's going to ensue between Shotzi and um Mercedes is going to be really killer so I'm definitely excited about that and that's really all that happened with the women on NXT now in terms of the men um William Regal gave Keith Lee who um is now our NXT champion a chance to sort of open a night with an announcement and he announced that he was going to relinquish the NXT North American Championship so he could give all the other superstars a chance to you know stand out and fight for that title seeing as it wouldn't necessarily be fair for him to hold both of them and basically weaken the credibility of one of those titles if he didn't necessarily defend them well so William Regal announced that there was going to be a tournament to crown a new North American champion and that there was going to be a series of triple threat matches that would serve as qualifiers for a ladder match at NXT TakeOver 30 yes there are 30 takeovers (laughs) so that's gonna be cool so 
I was a little bit upset that Keith Lee gave up the North American title because I wanted him to hold it all because I'm greedy. But he has a point. There are other wrestlers, you know, who deserve that opportunity to go for that title. So I'm not mad about it because they basically did the same thing when Paige won the Divas title and she was NXT Women's Champion at the time. And she had to relinquish the NXT Women's title, you know, to give other women a chance to get it. So... I'm not mad, but I was kind of like, God dang it, I wanted Keith to hold it all, but it's okay. And later on that that night, they actually had a qualifying match, but I'll talk about that later. Dexter Loomis fought Killian Dane, and that match was interesting because Killian Dane is one of those people who they're sort of put a new person up against just to sort of beef them up at this point and it's kind of sad because he at first he started off you know kind of hot with sanity and now he's just there and basically Dexter Loomis beat up Killian Dane with a technical knockout so now Dexter Loomis is just sort of serving as our serial killer realness wrestler so we'll we don't really know exactly what's coming after this so there's that and then we had a tag team match with Brizongo and Everrise and Brizongo came out and dressed themselves as Canadian Mounties to basically make fun of um Everrise's Canadian ancestry and Brizongo basically beat them and it's just so strange because Everrise basically had like a rocky start in NXT and they've also been featured on 205 Live and they're sort of struggling with the spotlight there too. So they're a really good tag team, but I just think they just need to find something like maybe a new character or something that will carry them over, you know, into the stratosphere, but we'll see him. And then they had, and then like I mentioned earlier, they had a North American Championship qualifier match between Johnny Gargano, Roderick Strong of the Undisputed Era, and Bronson Reed, our resident thick boy. And backstage, they had a little bit of a kerfuffle, not in the sense they were fighting, but just they were fussing back and forth. And I thought it was good to see Bronson Reed sort of, you know, stand on his own two feet and just sort of you know stand up for himself in front of these two former North American champions and say you know know what this is my time because you two have had your opportunity so let's go and this match was absolutely fantastic Bronson Reed showed a lot of his power moves and showed that he was able to you know to stand toe-to-toe with Johnny Gargano and Roger Strong who are both two of the best technical wrestlers NXT has at this point and there was even a point where it looked like Gargano was going to win, but then um, Bronson Reed returned to hit a diving splash onto um, Roderick Strong to win. So now um, the first person in the qualify in the match um, for the North American title is Bronson Reed, and I'm very proud of him for that. So there we go. And then we had Oni Lorcan versus Timothy Thatcher, and that was basically your regular technical. Um, barn burner of a match like every time these two get together they have the best chemistry and they're so technical and so physical and it's very you know and it's very old school wrestling driven and i appreciate that because nxc is probably the best place to have a match like that and it was just really good so after that we had dominic dajakovic versus karrion cross with scarlet with his scary self and even though Dijakovic, you know, put up a good fight, 
Karrion Cross basically defeated him by I felt like the match was over when when Karrion Cross put Dominic's head behind the steps and then kicked the steps and basically shook and rattled Dominic's head. That's when the match was over. But what made it worse was he knocked out Dijakovic with a running boot. And then when Keith Lee tried to walk out and sort of, you know, help Dominic by saying, by I guess throwing in the towel for him, Dominic said, no, don't do it, you know, let it happen. But then Cross was mocking Lee and then he basically proceeded to put him, to lock him in a cross jacket for the win. And it was just so weird to see Dominic Dijakovic, you know, who's usually so dominant and usually looks so strong, you know, look so limp after a match. Like, he looked like he was just absolutely done. Like, he had, like, his soul had left his body. It was bad. And Carrion was basically staring at Keith Lee as if to say, you know, I'm next and you better get ready because I'm going to murder you. And it was so sad because Keith Lee sort of came out sort of serving as the Rocky to Dominic's Apollo Creed from Rocky Four. for those who've seen that movie. And he had, it's like Keith wanted to throw in the towel for him, but then, you know, Dominic was like, no, don't do it. So now that's going to give Keith motivation to reach deep down in his soul to destroy Karrion Cross. And I'm excited for that. So that's basically all that happened on NXT. And now we're going to go to SmackDown. Okay, so now we're going to go on to SmackDown. This episode was lit. I loved it. It was probably one of the best episodes of SmackDown in like weeks. And I don't know if anybody else feels that way, but that's just how I feel. <laughs> so it started off with Sasha Banks and Bailey, you know, kicking off the show and bragging about how they have all the championships in tow and basically talking about, you know, how greatness should be redefined by the process of being great. And now they ushered in the era of Sasha and Bailey and said that the women's evolution is over because they were the ones who started it and all of the above which isn't entirely not true but isn't entirely true either but then Nikki Cross came out and interrupted them and talked about how angry she was how Bailey and Sasha basically destroyed her confidence you know going into her match at Extreme Rules with Bailey for the Smackdown Women's title but she demanded that she has another opportunity after being screwed over in her match with Bailey. but then Bailey said fine I'll give you a rematch but only if you beat your own best friend Alexa Bliss so when they when Nikki accepted the challenge Alexa seemed like she was very doubtful about it but then all the doubt went away once Nikki Cross shoved her and said come on we're gonna do this and then they basically hit the ring and proceeded to you know fight and it was kind of interesting to sort of see, you know, a bit of tension between Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross because they've been kind of strong over the past year with their partnership. But I guess now there's going to be, I guess, some tears in, in, in the fabric with them. And I'm not really ready to see them break up. But if that's what they're going to do, then that's fine. And hey, do it. Because I was wondering how long Alexa Bliss was going to be, you know, face anyway. Because this is probably the longest she's ever been faced. So I'm interested in that aspect. 
So their match was pretty great. Um, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross had never really fought on television together before against each other. And it was really good because Cross was firing up at one point and she was unleash unleashing drop kicks, clotheslines, and running bulldogs. But then Alexa Bliss, there was a point where Alexa Bliss and Cross took out the golden role models at commentary because they were acting up. And then there was a point where Alexa was controlling the match because she kept wearing Nikki Cross down with her rib injury that she sustained at um, Extreme Rules, which was basically calling back to something that she used to do as a heel. But then really a lot of heels do that. They like to, you know, focus on injuries during a match to weaken their opponent. So um, that was a, a good move. But then Nikki Cross wound up winning the match. So, but she won it with a roll-up. So it was kind of cool to see Nikki Cross sort of get be able to go over Alexa Bliss in that way because Alexa Bliss is such you know she has been like a six-time champion before so it's just at this point to sort of see Alexa go after the Smackdown Women's title would have been kind of like oh here we go again but I'm glad that Nikki has another chance for the title and that you know their friendship um is sustained for now we'll say and also, in terms of women, we had the Naomi segment with Miz and Morrison and Lacey Evans, who got the crap beat out of her because Naomi literally beat her up in like in like these really thigh high boots and neon colors. And then it made Lacey Evans smear lipstick on her teeth and her face. And it was incredibly hilarious. And I talked about that more in the segment previously where I talked about the Naomi deserves better hashtag. So there was that aspect of it that I thought was really cool and that's really all that happened with the women and now we're going to go to the men where Matt Riddle beat Tony Nese who was a former cruiserweight champion um with the bro Derek but then after that he after he beat him King Corbin came out there and basically talked about how he doesn't belong on Smackdown and how lame he is or whatever but actually but then he was but then King Corbin was talking about how he was going to do like a King's Ransom to basically pay any wrestler who takes Matt Riddle out. And then Tony Nese tried to sneak him from behind, but it didn't work. So this is going to be interesting because I guess they're going to prolong um, the amount of time that it's going to take for Matt Riddle to actually get his hands on King Corbin. And quite frankly, I'm just ready for, for Baron Corbin to not be king anymore because it's just kind of like annoying. And it makes me sort of wish they would have like an annual King of the Ring tournament. So um, the king wouldn't just be like one person, like say every two years. So we'll see what happens with that. Then we had a fatal four-way match for the number one contendership to the Intercontinental title, which is being held by AJ Styles. And it was a fatal four-way between Shorty G, Drew Gulak, um, Grand Metalik, and Lince Dorado of Lucha House Party. And this match was really good. It was very, it had lots of high-flying stuff, the stuff that you would expect from the Lucha wrestlers. You had a little bit of grappling between Shorty G and um, Drew Gulak. But ultimately, it was Grand Metalik who defeated them. And that was very surprising considering since the Lucha House Party's been on television, they hadn't really had a whole lot of opportunities for titles. And when they did get an opportunity for the tag titles, they never 
won in favor of like a bigger name like the New Day or like Miz and Morrison or the Usos or something. So it was really a good change of pace to sort of see someone else fresh get a new opportunity for the Intercontinental title. And AJ Styles was on commentary and he came out to sort of fake congratulate um to sort of congratulate Grand Metalik, but then he slapped him in his face, but then Grand Metalik fought back and kicked him down and then held the IC title above his head. So I believe they're going to fight for that IC title next week. So that's going to be really cool. And then before that match, we had an interaction that I found very touching between Big E and Kofi Kingston. Now, it showed Big E backstage waiting for Kofi Kingston to come out of the locker room or or basically the doctor's office, if you can call it that. And Kofi came out and told Biggie that he had sustained some injuries from their tag team title tables match at Extreme Rules, in which Biggie and Kofi lost the tag titles to Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro. And he said he's going to be out for a couple of weeks while he got, while he heals up and spends time with family. And he told Big E that it was all about him and that it was his time to be a singles competitor on his own. And Big E was sort of saying like, no, like, like, I just like, he was basically saying like, I appreciate that, but I'm just not sure. But Kofi was reassuring him and saying, no, like for all these years, for about six years now, you've been the backbone of the group. You've been, you know, faithful you know, to all of us, whenever there was tag team goal to be won, you were rooting for me when it was my title run. And now you have me and Xavier's blessing to go after whatever it is you're going to go after as a singles, you know, competitor. And they both hugged and said, put your meat on my meat, <laughs> which a lot of people thought was really funny. And they hugged each other. And it was just so beautiful to see because when Big E came to the company, he came as a singles competitor. Like, he was the first black NXT champion that they had. And then when he got brought up to the main roster, he was a singles competitor. And he had a lot of potential going in. But then he was placed with Dolph Ziggler as his, you know, security, I guess you could say. And then he was placed with AJ Lee, you know, for a short period of time to sort of get into the head of Caitlyn, if you guys remember that um, feud with AJ and Caitlyn for the Divas title. And after that point, you know, he really wasn't doing a whole lot by himself after that point. So, and he has won the IC title before, but he's been able to sort of improve himself and get a whole lot better as a tag team competitor with the New Day and sort of have more of a character, you know, uprising with the New Day in the six years they've been together. And he's been like a brother to Kofi and him and Xavier both, you know, encouraged Kofi to go for his championship run. And when he won, they were supportive of him. There was no backbiting. There was none of that. So now it only makes sense for Kofi and Xavier to give Big E this opportunity to shine. And when it happened, I was so happy because I always felt like Big E should have a chance at the Universal title or the WWE title or just a big title in general. And I just kept saying over and over again, I just felt like it was his season. Like this is his season 
to be blessed with something I'm preaching um but it is his season (laughs) to go for you know his own thing outside of the new day it is his season to show that he is able to stand with the best of them he has it he has everything to go after whatever it is that he wants even if that means him you know going back to NXT maybe like who knows like but either way it's Big E's season and I am so happy for him and then you had the bar fight <laughs> with Jeff Hardy, Hardy Gang, let's go, um, versus Sheamus. And this match was crazy because they had the ref there and they were in a bar, in an Irish bar in Orlando. And I don't remember the name of it, but they were fighting all over the bar and then they fought in the bathroom. There was even a point where Sheamus gave Jeff Hardy a swirly in a urinal and I was like, ew. But (laughs) Um, either way, they were fighting in stalls. Um, There was a point, there were two points actually where Jeff had actually brought the ladder out and hit Seamus with the ladder. And then they actually went to fighting on a stage where a band would play, like they destroyed a drum set. Like it was very destructive in a sense that it just, it was just really destructive and it was really cool. Um, but the match ended after I believe Jeff channeled his inner enigma person and he had all the pain on his face and everything. And then he jumped off the ladder um, with a swanton bomb to Sheamus in order to win the match. And I'm and as cool as this match was, this is probably the lesser of all of WWE cinematic matches, as you can say. And I just hope that this is the end of the Seamus Jeff Hardy feud, because as happy as I am that Jeff Hardy is recovering from his, you know, alcoholism, I don't want it portrayed so much on television to the point to where it becomes long in the tooth. There is so much more that Jeff Hardy has to offer other than, you know, him having his demons splattered all across television every week. And I'm ready for him to move on to something else. And I'm ready for Seamus to move on to something else. Arguably, I also want Seamus to get his old theme song back. You know, it's a shameful thing, Lobster Head. But, you know, we're not going to discuss that right now. So (laughs) Um, here's hoping that they both go on to different things and new things. And I'm happy that Jeff Hardy came out on top because he was losing a lot, you know, with this feud so finally jeff hardy was able to destroy his demons and channel his enigma person and win hardy gang but yeah um so that was all that happened this week in wrestling and now we're gonna go to our conclusion right thank you so much for listening to this new episode of the hardy wrestling podcast um there are so many announcements that i have um one of them being the next week i'm gonna have my 20th episode whoop whoop um and i'm gonna have a really special guest i'm gonna have my boyfriend on the show um najakwin mccoy um because this week is the week of our eighth anniversary together as a couple so i'm gonna have him on to talk about his wrestling um story and it's gonna be really cool because wrestling is the reason why he and i are basically together so it's gonna be cool to sort of listen to him and hear what he has to say about the wrestling landscape now and how it's changed since we got together and another announcement i am now selling 
Hardy Wrestling Podcast t-shirts um, for pre-order. Um, I just want to give a shout out to Demetria, who I go to church with. <laughs> she has this amazing t-shirt company called Restoration Tees, and she and I are working together to sort of create these t-shirts, you know, for people to wear. The t-shirts that I have have the show's motto on there, which I'm going to start using from now on more. And the motto of my show is chill, positive, and passionate. And that's on the front. And then on the back, we have the Hardy Wrestling Podcast um, acronym. And the t-shirts are available in black and white. And they're available for pre-order for $20. So if you want to buy some, you know, don't hesitate to message me on Facebook or message me on Twitter if you want, if you're interested in ordering some. They're in all sizes. So please, you know, support the t-shirts, you know. And if you want, you know, other products, like say maybe suggest like if you have any suggestions for any other products I could possibly sell, you know, do that you know i'm just starting this this is brand new i'm still learning so just give me a minute to figure it out but yes my hardy wrestling podcast t-shirts are available for pre-order for 20 dollars. please support me in that aspect and i just want to thank you guys for hanging on to me for so very long and to for listening to this show for as long as you have and i hope and pray that i continue to give a chill positive and passionate space for you to you know, talk about wrestling and for you to sort of share with your friends and family about this show and for it to continue to grow, you know, as I'm growing and as you're growing. And I hope you're being safe and I hope you're being um, cool because it is hot. And I just hope that you're living your best life and making your voice heard on different issues and just just doing the very best that you can out here because that's all anyone can do at this point. So again, thank you for listening to your favorite chill, positive and passionate Hardy Wrestling Podcast with me, your girl, Stephanie Hardy. And until next week, bye, y'all.